you may go ye and the rest of us. Let's just turn to the second epistle of John. Just finishing up a few things here as we prepare to start some new studies. We finished the first uh, epistle of John. Probably do third John either Thursday night or next Sunday night as the Lord leads. And... Um, Let's just look through this little book, 13 verses. Actually, 3 John has 14 verses, but a few less words, and it's the shortest book in our New Testament. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever... Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments, This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world, who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves, that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we may receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. Thirteen verses, very uh, short, uh, to the point, and yet uh, you cannot help, but as we go through this little book, uh, as we've read through it, I hope that you hear the overtones, the, the repeats actually from the general letter of John, 1 John chapters 1 through 5. You're just going to hear many of those same things uh, repeated, maybe just a little different, except he addresses this uh, to, uh, uh, it says, "...the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth." And uh, there have been many guesses whom this elect lady is. Some have tried to spiritualize it and say John is writing to the church. But as we know, uh, in John's day as he was writing this letter, there were many churches. And so that that would not be uh, a proper way to address a church. Uh, Some have said maybe it's his wife or some special uh, lady, I think the notes in, in my Bible here, it says he exhorts a certain honorable matron with her children to preserve, persevere in Christian love and belief. And uh, I don't think you can really add or take away. We don't know who the woman was. Uh, we do know that wherever John was, uh, her sister was there. 
And so he was writing, and, and one of the things that we can just take from these simple words is there is a relationship between believers. Amen? And uh, he may have been in the city where the sister of this woman to whom he was addressing the letter, and that would seem to be the simplest and the best understanding, But he is writing here, he says that he loved them in truth, and not only him, but also all they that have known the truth. Uh, I mean, there's just some, uh, there is a connection. Now, we have to be careful how we say things. The, The world in which we live, they like to have this universal, invisible body of Christ that stretches all over the world and everybody's a part. And uh, if that were true, uh, we could not put our attention here that we need to put here. Because if, if there was only one body, now let me ask you a question. If you had gangrene in your big toe, should you be very concerned because it is so far away? Uh, let me tell you, my uncle died eventually of that same thing. Uh, yeah, you need to be concerned because it's connected. But see, the way that God has built His church and developed it, we have individual local churches. So where does our concern need to be? Right here. Uh, there are problems in other churches. There are other churches that disagree. And guess what we do about that? Nothing, because that's not our concern. Now, if a pastor calls up, uh, actually, we had this happen. Preacher called up and said, Brother Montour, I'd like to talk to you. He said, I got some problems in, in, in my church that I think you could help me with. And I said, well, sure, well, let's sit down and talk. And, and uh, pretty soon we began to talk, and Brother Davis brought down his whole church, all six people. And one of them did not have biblical baptism, and he got baptized here. And we reorganized, well, actually organized the Cornerstone Bible Baptist Church out of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church of Astoria. And we praise the Lord. They paid off that property, and, and I think soon and very soon uh, they, they will be uh, completely and fully a self-supporting church. And then, you know what the next step is? We're going to try to help Brother Davis start Bible studies all over that Catskill region and and little preaching stations. And we've talked about this for years. And I said, now, Brother Davis, I believe we need to get things in order at home first so you have a strong base to to work out from. And and the Lord has provided that. And so um, you pray for Brother Davis and the Cornerstone Bible Baptist Church because... Things are going to have to change for him to be able to start working out and having other uh, preaching stations there. And boy, I would love to see uh, several little churches, different nights of the week and, and all of that. But we have to put that in the Lord's hand. But you see, there are a lot of other churches that got problems. And you know what? It's not my job to straighten them out. Because we got enough to do right here. 
And this, but we have a relationship with many other churches. It was so nice Wednesday night to preach for, uh, I keep wanting to call him Joshua, but it's Jeremiah, isn't it? Right? Where's Jason at? Jeremiah Baird, and uh, uh, we were, uh, uh, I think, at the Home Missions Conference. If I remember correctly, we had pretty much run out of funds, but several of our ladies were there and were able to give a nice offering to Brother Baird to help him in the ministry there. And uh, uh, we were there was, uh, what was it, about 11 people in the living room of his house. It was the last service in their living room. Uh, which was kind of cool. Uh, they meet in a, um, it's called a Maritime Memorial uh, something or other. It's a Veterans Association for um, Coast Guard, Marine Corps, and Navy. And uh, I guess their main thing is they hold funerals and memorial services, and they have a little building and parking lot there, and they let them use it every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. And... Uh, and now they're going to be able to start using the same place on Wednesday night. And so that's, that's really a movement in the right direction. He said, Brother Montoro, I hate to tell you this. He says, we, we only pay uh, $200 a month right now. He said, if people knew that, they'd stop supporting us. I said, well, I said, we'll see what we can do. And we'll, we'll see if we can't send him at least a nice uh, love offering to propel them on the way there. But... I'll tell you, there was just a fellowship. And I walked in, and I had not seen his wife in a long time. I said, I know you. And she goes, yes, I was at your church in 2002 uh, when we had the Smite group out from Heartland Baptist Bible College. Remember, we had a vacation Bible school, and, and uh, I'm sure Anita and, uh, was, remember being dressed up as a clown, and Jeanette was one of the ones that did that. And so uh, it was just neat to make those connections. And listen, we ha- people can have a testimony if you love the truth. Guess what? You're going to love other people. And it was not being like at home. It was different because it wasn't home. And, and our church, we had a few services in our apartment early on, but no one here... Uh, can remember that Andrew was uh, just a, a baby, uh, uh, and uh, the only people that survived our meeting in our house was Ken and Rose McAvoy. Uh, they came to one of the meetings in our apartment, uh, and uh, but then come January 1st, we got into the Seventh Day Adventist Church, and we were there for the next four years. Uh, and so there was, but there was that fellowship and that singleness of heart and that love for the Word of God and seeing churches started. And that's all John is saying here. He said, we have a love for each other. Other people love us and we love other people. And here's the connection. It's truth. Because that truth is not only a doctrinal statement, it's a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And one of the reasons why I encourage you, I see that there's still a pretty good stack of the Global Independent Baptist Times back there. Take those and read them. Uh, Preferably just one for each family. I think we have enough. 
And uh, I would uh, challenge you that you will hear and understand things and be challenged in, in ways. Why? Because we have a fellowship of churches. And our fellowship is based on truth. We fellowship together because we have the same understanding. We believe in this old book. We believe in the local church. And um, I get a little frustrated with this. Some people say Heartland Baptist Bible College is not a local church school because it has all of these churches that work together. Well, the problem I have is some of these other local church schools, they only believe in one local church, theirs. And so when I send my students there, they keep them. And when they send them out to the mission field, they say, look at our person. And I'm going, hey, that's my student I raised. Uh, and you're taking credit for them. Uh, when I send them to Heartland, guess who I get back? I get back everybody we sent and then some extras. Amen? But not without your home pastor's blessing. Amen, Brother Mike? His, his preacher called me up and said, you've got to go get this guy. You've got to talk to him. I think God's calling him to New York City. And if he does, he ought to go out of your church. You see, that is what we're talking about here. We're talking about a love that is based on truth. And that's what John had. And and he just simply says, Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. In verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. Now, one of the things that we are working on here and we are praying about is our church should not just last for one generation. The truth that we got, that we have, that we fellowship around, did not originate with us. I was sent out from the Cleveland Baptist Church. That church was started in 1958. Uh, Brother Thompson was sent out from the Akron Baptist Temple. That church was started, I think, 1932 or 1939, somewhere in that neighborhood. I'm not real particular about those numbers in that history because that's not the important part. The important part is the doctrine that we hold. That's how we trace our history. And we can go back into the 1200s and we can find there was a preacher about 1190. His name was Peter Waldo. Kind of like that first name anyway. And uh, he preached in the uh, Swiss Alps there on the border of France. And he was part of a movement known as the Waldensians. And we have some of his sermons and some of the things that he preached and some of, some of the statements of faith that, that he produced and in, in, in the churches that he pastored in that area. And we'd have no problem receiving members, if we could, from Peter Waldo's church in 1190. Now, here's where history gets complicated. I think it was uh, 
1990-something or other, there was a group of churches that claimed to be the Waldensians that were claimed direct descendant from Peter Waldo in the late 1100s, early 1200s. And they joined the United Methodist Church in France. You say, what happened? Well, there is this little thing that happened called the Reformation. And what the Reformation did was that put an end to a lot of the persecution that Baptist peoples were experiencing as long as you're willing to be Protestantized. That's where the Mennonites come from. Many of them were Anabaptists. Their doctrinal position was very, very close. It was in agreement, basic agreement with what we believe. And before we get too critical, if you had armed guards breaking into your house in the middle of the night and murdering your little children because you wouldn't have them baptized in the Catholic Church, you might be willing to be Protestantized a little bit too. But that's what happened. And so the history gets complicated because people change. But I want to tell you something. Grace doesn't change. Amen? God's Word doesn't change. God's Son doesn't change. And what we need to do is our main concern right now as a church is passing on our faith to the North Brooklyn Baptist Church as they prepare. Eventually, Brother Franz, Brother Jason has plans. And by the way, we have a couple of students at Heartland right now that said, I'm coming back to New York City. I'm going to become a, I want to become a member of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church, and I want you to send us out to start churches. I mean, we're getting a queue here. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, we're starting to line them up. And uh, what we want to have happen is, we don't want a bunch, I'll tell you, Lord forbid, we don't need a bunch of little Pete Montoros running around. That is not going to help. But what we do, what we need, is we need people that believe the same doctrine as what we teach here, and practice the same doctrine, and walk in the same grace. I've often joked what we need to do after maybe 10, 15 years down the road is all of us get on black suits and black shirts with white ties and go to a fellowship meeting together. Wouldn't that be a lot of fun? They think the mafia walked in. And uh, just a joke. Uh, But uh, we may do that someday. I I don't know. Andrew wants to do it. He's the one that came up with the idea. And uh, I think that would be pretty funny. We won't do it at, well, just one time, guys. But, uh, you see, there's a lot of churches changing out there. And here's what John is saying. He's saying, I rejoice greatly that not only you chose to follow the truth, but that your children are following that same truth. And that's what we want for all those little kids back there in Go Ye Kids. Amen? We want them to grow up and follow. Let me tell you something. The devil's got a target on our children. He wants to sway them. He wants to move them. And we need to pray. And we need to be faithful. 
And we, we just have to understand here, we get down to verse 5, And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. Now, John has a unique way of saying something without saying something. Uh, he, he would term, when, if you read through the Gospel of John, you'll see uh, a, a phrase there, the disciple whom Jesus loved. John was talking about himself. He, he didn't re, never referred to himself in the first person or by name in, in any of his books. When he talked about Mary, uh, he would just use and her sister. He, he rarely used Mary's name in, in his book because these were people that did some very special things. And so, John here is talking about a very special commandment. What is that commandment? That we should love one another. And again, how do we define love? It's not a warm, ushy-gushy feeling inside. And this is the love of God. What? That we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. Here's how we know that we love the children of God. Is that we keep His commandments. Jesus said, if ye love me, what? Keep my commandments. What are His commandments? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Those are Jesus' commandments, are they not? He said the defining mark would be our love one for another. And I'll tell you how many, we don't need to raise your hands here, but how many of us have struggled just trying to be obedient to God's Word? Everybody in this room. How do we help each other obey God's commandments? The answer is one word. Church. That's how we're supposed to help each other. Encourage each other. This is not an organization where everybody spies on everybody and if you step out of line. No. You're here, I would hope and pray, because you want to be here. I don't want people to come to church because, oh man, if I miss, pastor's going to get me. I've been to some churches like that. I don't like churches like that. That's not the motivation of the Christian life. The motivation of the Christian life is, you love Jesus. I preach about Jesus. We work together to serve Jesus. We love Jesus as a church. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? No. And let me tell you something. If you've got a checklist here, if you've got certain things you're expecting, well, be prepared to be disappointed because it's going to happen. 
Because this church isn't about you. It's not about any individual. It's not about meeting your needs. That's not the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is about meeting His needs. Can we say amen to that? Am I in the right place? You see, Jesus wants us to serve Him as His body. He wants us, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, as He is, so are we in this world. That's, that's what Jesus wants for us. And there's nothing new about this. But there are many deceivers, verse 7, entered into this world. And again, we have the same tests that are in First uh, John, in the book of First John. They're going to confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And again, let's just review that. When, when someone says that Jesus is not come in the flesh... It's not necessarily saying Jesus was never born of the Virgin Mary. But what it is saying is, Jesus paid for Adam's sin on the cross, but there's still work that you need to do to pay for your sins. That's Catholic doctrine. That's denying that Jesus has come in the flesh. Because when Jesus came in the flesh, he died on the cross, and what did he say? It is finished. That's what it means. Jesus finished the work of salvation. There are many people that are giving different lists of things that you need to do or I need to do in order to prepare ourselves for heaven. That's not what it is. Jesus has already done everything possible to prepare us for heaven. You can't be a member of this church until you're assured of your eternity in heaven. The church comes in afterwards. It's to serve Jesus Christ. It's to celebrate in every service the finished work of Jesus on the cross. It's also denying any new revelation from God. See, what, what is the claim of, of Islam? Muhammad said, this is the last testament of Jesus Christ. Well, where in the world does he get off saying that? Well, this demon showed up, an angel, and dictated to him a book that contradicts everything that's in this book. You see, that's the spirit of Antichrist. It's not saying that Jesus uh, didn't come or Jesus isn't a great teacher. Do you know that if you say something amiss of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and impugn his character, that uh, any member of Islam is bound by the laws of Islam to execute judgment upon you for... De- for defaming the name of Jesus? That's what the Quran teaches. Because other than Muhammad, he is their greatest teacher. But I want to tell you something. To say that Jesus is a great teacher is blasphemy. 
Because Jesus is not just a great teacher. He is the creator God in human flesh. And see, according to Islam, that is blasphemy. And you see, that is the spirit of Antichrist. And we have this freak, Joseph Smith, showing up in the 1820s and 30s. And again, an angel appears to him. And here's the miracle, is he claimed that he could read both Greek and Hebrew. And they got him on a witness stand and showed him an alphabet. And he couldn't tell the difference between the Greek and the Hebrew alphabets. Uh, We have a name for that. We call them liars. But how many people believe his lies? Don't believe the lie of the Mormon church being the family church. It's not. The divorce rate in the Mormon church is several times multiplied what it is in the general general population. Listen, there are many deceivers out there. They want to talk that there's more done needs to be done to earn or to gain your salvation. That there's more to be done to have God's Word or that we cannot have an authoritative Word of God. That, That there's something wrong with the church that needs to be fixed. I mean, that was Martin Luther's plea. Was the church had gone so corrupt that he had to start a brand new church. Well, it's no wonder the church went corrupt. It was never Jesus' church. Martin Luther's church, the Catholic church, was never Jesus' church in the first place. In fact, the only person that Martin Luther uh, had put to death was a Baptist preacher. I'm, I'm not a fan of Martin Luther. I don't like the Reformers. They killed our people and people who believed like we did. They're not my heroes. You see, Jesus' church didn't need a physical army to protect itself. It survived without the elector of Hanover. That was uh, Martin Luther's protector, an army that protected him. You see, it says here, look to yourselves. Now, I want you to notice these next words here, and we'll try to be finished on time. Look to yourselves that, what's that pronoun there? We. You know what John was saying? He's saying, if you lose on your service for Christ, I lose too. He says, I've got an investment in you. I've got an investment in your church. And I am glad to see that your children are walking in truth. And you need to understand something. The truth that they have is the same one that Jesus gave us the night he was betrayed. Nothing is new here. We're doing the same old things. Nothing needs to change. We don't need an update on doctrine. And if you can live in sin, you're not God. That's verse 9. If someone comes and they've got a new doctrine, don't be nice to them. It says, don't invite them into your home. I've known people say, well, I invite the Jehovah's Witnesses into my home so I can, so I can uh, give them, testify to them and try to convert them. No, the Bible says don't do that. If they want to hear the truth, 
They'll show up at church Sunday morning. They'll take a gospel track. You witness to them on the street. Don't invite them into your house. And don't get into the habit of just saying, God bless you. I get so sick. When I was a kid, the big thing was all those filthy Nashville country singers, they would always end their show with a hymn. And God bless you all. Bunch of drunken, fornicating, wicked people. God, they don't want need God's blessing. The Bible says when you put God's blessing on someone, that's a serious thing. You become a partaker of their evil deeds. Don't, don't just say God's speed or God's blessing. I mean, there's been so many times where I'm talking with someone and I know there's some ecumenical thing and they'll say, well, God bless you anyway. I never return it. Because I don't know if they need God's blessing. I know they need to get saved. But they're so convinced of their false doctrine that we couldn't even talk about salvation. They just want me to be there for their promise keepers or whatever thing is going on. I got a new one just this week. Uh, it's called the uh, New York Interfaith Disaster Preparedness Organization. And they represent 61 denominations. And they want our faith and our, our group to participate. Um, so I, I sent them back an email. I said, what government organization are you a part of? Oh, we're not. We're our own independent thing. But the New York uh, Department of Health, New York City Department of Health, has asked us to take this survey. Um, it was an email. I haven't responded to it yet. But uh, uh, if I were Mr. whatever his name is, I wouldn't be holding my breath. That we're going to respond to that because... We don't want to be a part of an interfaith organization. Sorry. Uh, what we want to do is we just want to serve God. And you can't do that shaking hands with every ism and schism and trying to be... And, and we're not talking about being unnecessarily offensive here. I, I've met some people uh, over the years... I'm a Baptist. What are you? Well, I'm a Baptist too, but uh, I don't think I'm your kind of Baptist. I, I, I actually, was up here on Dittmar's. He said, I'm a hard-shell Baptist. I never heard that before. But uh, there was an awful lot that didn't get through that shell. I can promise you. Uh, now, we're not trying to just be mean. But we want to keep the truth separate. That's what the word holy means. We want to keep ourselves separate, sanctified for the Master's use. And you see, he says, I got many things to say. He said that I can't write. But I want to speak face to face that our joy may be full. And you know something? There's one of these days we're all going to be face-to-face in one place. You know, uh, I've had some preachers and whom I agree with most of the time, but there, there's a few little things, and they'll say, Well, I, I understand you, you probably believe in the church in prospect, the, the, the universal church in heaven made up of 
I said, yes, the Bible talks about the general assembly and the firstborn. But I want to I want to just qualify it with this. It's a local church. Because it's in heaven. Amen. And it's not functioning right now because some of us aren't local yet. Uh, but give us a little bit of time and we'll all be local. That thing called the rapture is going to take care of the strangler, the uh, stragglers uh, and those that are running late. Uh, we're all going to be brought together and, and, uh, and we'll be in one place and we'll be one church to serve the Lord throughout eternity. You see, Jesus' church is always local. Because it's face-to-face personal contact that helps. You can't get a blessing out of a radio church. It's personal contact that encourages you and keeps you going. And that's where we're supposed to be. And one of these days, that's why he ends it, the, the children of thy elect sister greet thee, Hey, we're separated here by lots of things. And you know, I can't answer all the questions about the bride of Christ. The Bible tells me that the bride is the city, the new Jerusalem. And other than that, I don't know how to work it all out, but I do know this, that... God's going to straighten out all those differences. And when we get to heaven, we'll all be conformed to the image of Christ. And we'll be able to serve Him together as one body. But you know, that can never happen here on earth. Because of language, because of distance, let's be honest, because of personality. We never have that much agreement here on earth. But we can have agreement in our local church. And every church can have that unity if they'll make the truth of the gospel the center of their unity. Amen? And they'll walk together until that day when we're all face to face with the Savior. And then so many of those things that we've argued about and had problems with here on earth... As the songwriter said, we'll seem strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You. We ask that You would be...